Hey, you got Frank from Sniper's Hide here with a special episode of the Everyday Sniper. I have Kalen Wojcik from Gunworks. He's the uh, head of training over there, and you might know Kalen from uh, his Magpul days. As well, he's a you know former Marine Scout sniper, did eight years with the Marine Corps, and uh, known for jumping Everest, does a lot of skydiving and stuff, which is kind of unique for... Uh, Marine, we're not really big into skydiving, but that's cool that that he does that neat stuff. And uh, Kalen, great to have you on the on the Everyday Sniper podcast. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Frank. This is uh, I've I've been listening to it for a while, and and I'm glad to finally uh, be on with you and and uh, and have a good conversation. Yeah, it was great coming up to the Gunworks match, seeing you and Phil up there. You guys put on an awesome show. It was a good time, and uh, you know, we you and I talked about this and. You know, I think the timing is right for us to kind of go over a little bit of our bit of training philosophy, what we're seeing at these matches, because, I mean, you and I have shot matches together for a while. Uh, we went back and we shot that Oregon Sniper uh, Challenge together, and we've seen each mm-hmm. other. You've come to the Sniper's Hide Cup. So, uh, yeah, we've been around the block a few times together. Yeah, man. Um, you know, and, and first off, you know, I got to give the credit to, to Phil for the Gunworks match. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um Phil was the guy who put that whole thing together. He did the course of fire. Um, you know, I was just there to help him execute it. And, um, you know, I, I can't say, I can't say enough good stuff about Phil. Uh, what a, what a great, what a great addition to the team. Um, I, you know, I, I saw that as an opportunity. Um, it was, it, it happened fast, really fast. I knew that, um, Phil was getting out of the Marine Corps and, I was like, Hey, you know, I, I had a position to fill and I, I called him and I said, Hey, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> are you planning on getting out? Or are you sticking around? Cause he and I had spoken, you know, a couple of times about, you know, he was like, look, I want to try, I want to get out of the Marine Corps and I want to get into the, you know, the firearms instruction and I don't really know how to do it. So we had a couple of conversations about how to do that. And this just, the stars aligned and bam, it happened. And, and he took the job and, and, uh, you know, I think it's a fantastic addition to the team. No, that's a huge score. I talked to Phil at shot about the same time you did. And I know, you know, you guys scooped him up. And I was trying to convince Mile High to scoop him up for them because they were looking for people on the training side. That's a huge score to get Phil. That, that, he, he's, a, he's a great addition to the team you guys got going on up there. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, he's such an easygoing guy. And, and our, our mentality, our training mentality really clicks and um granted i mean we we both come from the same pedigree right we all come from the same pedigree you know myself you phil uh some you know carl taylor um jared johnson some other dudes that are in the training industry we all come from that same pedigree and have the same mindset on on a lot of stuff it's amazing how we we think slightly different but we all think the same as far as exactly that mindset, but the Marine Corps just breeds something into us and, and we all approach training from a real similar way, which, uh, you know, I think is kind of, it, it, it was lost for a little while until a lot of us started coalescing together. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I tell all of my, my, my students at the very beginning of the day is a lot of people, in this world now are real focused on trying to learn the tricks of the trade before they actually learn the trade itself. And I think that's where you set yourself up to fall on your face over and over and over again and not really understand why, because if you don't learn that real core foundation of 
the fundamental skills of precision shooting, you're going to keep making mistakes. And, and, you know, we all make mistakes, but learning the fundamentals, I think it's, it's something that gives us a, not only a building block, but it also gives us some really valuable diagnostic tools to figure out, Hey, why am I keeping making this mistake? What am I doing wrong? And, and if you have the understanding of those fundamentals, you're going to be able to come up with a better answer than just saying, man, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, that, that is such a great way to put it, to talk about, you know, that they want those tricks of the trade right up front instead of that good foundation. And you're absolutely right. It, it allows us to go from any weapons platform that we're looking at and, and know real quick, is this right or wrong? What's going on here? Where are the places we have to look? You know, it's kind of like a car, you know, the electrical, the fuel, what, you know, when you start looking at diagnostics, we're doing the exact same thing. And it's that foundation in the fundamentals that works. Yep. I think a lot of guys too, you know, nowadays, because the sport has grown in popularity, it's just, I mean, it's just exploded within the last five, six, seven years. And, you know, these, the guys that are coming into the sport now, the, the amount of information that's available to them at their fingertips is I was thinking about this the other day. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy to realize that the amount of information that is out there pertaining to the sport and the discipline of precision shooting, um, man, we didn't have that stuff years ago. We, we just, we had to figure it out through trial and error and say, you know, there was no Google machine there, you know, you had to pick up a phone and hope somebody <laughs> you could call somebody and have, them help you out. And at the same time, a lot of people were just like, man, I don't know. Tell me what you think. What, tell me what you find out. And I'll tell you what I find out. And the, the amount of information out there is just, it's incredible. It, in YouTube, they get you. Just, I mean, I do it myself. It's like, hey, I get a new something, a new widget. It's like you go on YouTube and you look at a video, you know, how do I pull this bolt apart? And it's like, don't even mm -hmm. look at the instructions. I go to YouTube, you know, and, and it, it's, a, it's a double edged sword. Because it, it could be yeah. good information, it could be bad information, and without those basic fundamentals, they don't know. Yeah, well, and from and also from you know an instructional standpoint, I watch a lot of a lot of shooters at these events, and um, I would be nitpicking a lot of that stuff. A lot of the stuff I see them doing at these shooting matches, I'd be nitpicking a lot of it in my training courses because fundamentally, it's not correct. Um, you know, but the other thing that I think deserves mentioning is the fact that rifles and equipment nowadays are so much more forgiving that people can get away with a lot of jacked up fundamentals because of the rifles and the ammunition being so incredibly consistent and reliable and repeatable. Uh, that we just couldn't get away with back when I was learning. Yeah, I mean, it's so good nowadays. I do a demo with the Really Right Stuff tripod, my AX you know, 260, 65, whatever barrel happens to be on it. And, and I can hit targets at distance without even touching the damn rifle. I've seen your videos. That's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it, and it's a goof, man. It's just like, look, the, it'll do it for you. The weak link in this is us. We have to get us nailed down. And if, and if you're trying to get a shortcut, a get, you know, get rich quick scheme, it's not going to work. Yeah, man. I, I actually, uh, I, I discovered a way um, to one of the, the most important things that, that I try to communicate to students and classes is the importance of a natural point of aim. And I think that, you know, I think it's arguable, you know, 
what other instructors think is the most important fundamental that people should focus on is this, of course, you're going to have different opinions from, from many different types of instructors, but I have them shoot a drill that I, that I designed called a natural point of aim drill, where um, I'm sure you probably shot it before with a handgun, right? You, you draw your handgun from your holster with your eyes closed at the seven yard line and you shoot a magazine with your eyes closed. And basically it teaches you recoil management. It teaches you the, the, fundamental of a natural point of aim and what it does for you. And I tried to apply that with a bolt gun, with a scoped rifle, and I found out that it worked phenomenally well to, to help a shooter understand hey, what is a natural point of aim and what, is, what exactly is, is it that I'm looking for. And surprisingly, it's very similar to your tripod drill, right? It's like, hey, the tripod's there. It's holding the rifle steady. All I got to do is press the trigger without moving anything, and the bullet's going to go where the reticle's pointed. It's that simple. And you do that drill, you have the shooters do that, and you tell them you're gonna, they're going to shoot with their eyes closed, and they just look at you like crazy. And then you tell them even more so, you're probably going to shoot a little bit better when you get downrange and you have a look-see. And some of them don't believe me, and we go downrange, and they're just like, man, I should be shooting with my eyes closed. <laughs> right. More often because it's like it, it, does, it tells you everything that you're doing wrong. And it allows you to really take a hard focus uh, about where you're putting pressures into the gun, where you're putting pressures into the trigger. Are you really relaxed? Are you really dropping your natural respiratory pause to the bottom of the breathing cycle and pressing the trigger each and every time? It tells you all that stuff. Yeah, it's an awesome drill. Uh, And you're right. We have done it. And, you know, it started going back to the Jacob and Rifles only days. We used to do it off the tower at night. And we'd illuminate yeah. a target for somebody, let them see it, get all settled in, then shut the light off, and then give them mm-hmm. a X amount of time. During the day now, I do it with the scope cap where I come over to them, I get them all lined up, I make sure they check their MPA, everything's good, then close the scope cap. And, and, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, then have them do it that way. But you're absolutely right, man. It, it, it's an essential thing in... Because so many guys, you know, come up shooting prone, it, it absorbs a lot, but the mistakes are still there where once they get off their belly, if your MPA is mm-hmm. jacked, man, you're toast. Yep. And, and, and that's the, the thing I tell the guys, it's like, look, man, you know, that's the, in my personal opinion, your ability to understand, um, establish, and then manipulate a natural point of aim is truly your key to success with everything else being equal. It, totally it's the foundation it's number one and it's there for yep. a reason you know it, it, it's 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 all that important stuff that we talk about those fundamentals of marksmanship now for me the pet peeve is is the follow-through because everybody with these super light you know gucci triggers they sure. ta- they chap the trigger so they don't have to touch mm-hmm. it really and so i harp on follow-through but you, you can't skip any of them i mean rifle setup we're always moving scopes for sight picture you know, yep. and, and then you do that trigger control, that follow through. And then I try to incorporate calling your shot into part of trigger control and follow through to make sure they put their mind to the reticle, to the sight picture, and they can call that shot. So, yeah, we're, we're all on the same page because that's what's harped yep. into. I mean, a week of grass week with us. They did it every day for a week, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, it's funny. I got to mention this, too, because. You know, there were two people um, that when I came into this industry in 2000 and, oh, let's see, 2009, 
um, I reached out to you and I remember asking, I found out about your website and I, and I was like, Hey, you know, I want to advertise some classes there. And, uh, man, you were, you were super, super welcoming. And the other person that was super welcoming to me in the industry was Jacob. And, you know, to this day, I know that I can give Jacob a call if I ever need to talk to him or ask him anything, you know, you, you two guys really welcomed me into the industry with open arms. And I appreciate it because not everybody gave me the same kind of welcome. And, you know, when I looked at it from, you know, I I asked myself when I came into the industry, what is it that I'm going to bring to the table? What is it that I'm going to bring that's different? And I realized later on, you know, I'm not bringing anything different to the table other than a different way of communicating the same type of information that we all know um, that, you know, being professional shooters uh, I'm not bringing anything new to the table. We're, we're all just talking about the same stuff. We're just inventing different methods of communicating that stuff so that people can understand it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, uh, you know, different from other people, I don't look at somebody like you, like Phil coming up as a threat. I look at that as a compliment, you not to me, but to the industry, you know, and, right. and that's why on Sniper's Hide, there is no charge for people posting their classes for training, and there is no charge for people to post competitions either. You know, there's other segments mm-hmm. where commercial sales get taxed, but I don't tax the guys who come in for training and competition because I want somebody to go out and take a class from that guy. I want you to be a better, better educated consumer or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and I think sure. that helps everybody. And, and you and I have talked, you know, every time we're, we're in front of each other, we're always talking about these just different nuances that we see, a different way to communicate and, and, and what's successful. Hey, this really worked out. What, what do you got going on? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I mean, I told you, I think I, I told you up there in uh, Gunworks, uh, just my last class in Alaska, in one of the PowerPoints was a picture of you from the Sniper's Hide Cup uh, shooting that loophole shot with off the tripod. Oh. You know, you had your sling, the reverse sling going on on your on your firing arm. You were standing off a tripod. This hunter guy had a similar sling. And he goes, I want to do it like was in that picture. I said, oh, you want to do like Kalen did? No problem. We set his rifle up to put the sling on the opposite side so he can use his firing elbow, mimicking what you were doing. And it was super successful for the guy, and he loved it. It's like, well, there's a better way of doing it because he didn't have you know, a PRS wrestling in, in, right. you know, and, in, in a lot of what I had with me was, was these, the, these better slings, the, the tab elites and the different stuff like that, where, sure. you know, boom, it, it, it's, it's down to the basics and it's down to what helps it. And if, if your way of doing it helps somebody, I'm all about it. Yep. That's Kalen. Here you go. Yep. Let's do it. Yep. Absolutely, man. I mean, yeah, it's it's cool to see the spread of information flow, and and it's and it's so much better to have um, it's so much better to have people out there that are communicating information that are that are secure in their ability to um, to say, yeah, you know what, man, I, I learned that from somebody else, and and I'm gonna I'm if I want to teach that, um, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna say, hey, yeah, this is where I learned it from. And this is how I can help you utilize that, that technique, right. Or that piece of equipment. I I mean, it's funny. There's a post and not that I want to get down that rabbit hole, but just for you and I, because we talk about this all the time, 
guy posted on Sniper's Hide today asking why the military is getting away from sort of the one shot, one kill mentality to the Kona lead in the Horus thing. And I, I, I dropped a little bit of bomb on it, but it, it's it's kind of and, you know, people see it. They're a little disheartened by the fact that some of the some of the foundation marksmanship principles were, were, are kind of pushed to the side for speed and ease. Because it's easier for somebody mm-hmm. to to who doesn't quite understand it to to avoid that part of it and then try to get you into some trick of the trade Gucci fly thing, you know, let's shoot through a hole far away and 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 that we can't see anything out of, and, and you know that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And and we always bring that up, but it, it's it's a, a person was asking today, and that was like a core part of your and I conversations. And and it's just funny how how that that turns out like that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I see I see a lot of it too. On um, I I do a lot of law enforcement sniper training um, throughout the nation, and I'm really working working hard to develop that program. And you know, the law enforcement sniper situation in the United States uh, is I think it's pretty abysmal in the sense that it's so far behind the power curve in terms of where the knowledge is, where the TTPs are um, and where the equipment is. And, you know, I see some, some of this stuff that, you know, every once in a while I'll open, I'll open the line up to guys to, to just, you know, free shoot. And I see somebody, I'll turn around and I'll see somebody, you know, rolling the rifle over on their side and, and doing, doing that whole thing. And I'm just, I asked him, I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Explain to me where you think that this particular skill is going to benefit you on a crisis site. And they can't really explain it. They're just like, well, this is something that I was taught. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the math. Let's talk about the math involved to make that bullet go exactly where you want it to go with the rifle turned 90 degrees to the left or to the right. Are you really going to have that cognitive thought process to be able to do that math under stress? Are you really going to do that? Do you think that you're going to be able to have that happen? And, you know, they, most of them, when you really get down dirty and into the weeds, you're just like, no, it's not applicable really. And I'm like, yeah, it's a freaking parlor trick, man. That's all it is. Yeah. It, it, it's total carnival stuff, man. And, and, you know, you're absolutely right. Where the law enforcement in the U.S. should be the poster children for fundamentals, because they, they you know, they, they are sh- short range guys, and and the basics and those fundamentals would help them so much more instead of them trying to learn like a rollover, a, you know, that supine position and and stuff. And instead, if they were just straight up, you know, fundamental gods like they should be. There, there'd be zero situations they couldn't solve. Yeah, it's like, you know, the, most of those departments, they, they train for eight hours a month yeah. behind the scoped rifle. That's it, eight hours a month. And they have to be able to uh, be prepared for any type of situation they could come up against on a crisis site. And the same thing goes for a dude that just graduates a basic law enforcement sniper course. Theoretically, when that guy graduates, it does not matter how complex the the next call out is that he's assigned to. He's going to have to negotiate that, even with that really really core basic fundamentals that he's gotten from that basic sniper course. It's a little bit different, you know, in the military. It, you know, it's like, hey, if we have a really complex complex operation, 
me as the chief sniper or the platoon sergeant, I'm like, look, I'm going to put, I'm going to put my most experienced guys on that because we can't screw this up. Whereas in that world, it's just like, Hey man, you got to run with your brun. Yeah. You're the guy there, man. You're the one that showed up first. <laughs> right. You know, so, sorry, dude, you're it. <laughs> the other yeah. guy's stuck in and traffic. <laughs> You start waste. You start wasting training time on on doing all that stuff, and and you really got to ratchet back the 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 desire to learn all those tricks and, and be like, yeah, you know what? It, it looks cool, but man, I'm telling you, it's not going to help you when you need it. Well, one of the things I want to kind of jump to, uh, not so much to get past the training uh, that we'll come back to, but I want to talk about the direction because we talked about this uh, two weeks ago up at Gunworks that you guys are going with sort of the the that hunting tactical competition crossover and, and i think that's an awesome strategy and, and it's a natural direction for you guys that, that you know that you're going in and it showed in the competition by the mere fact of how it was divided off with the hunting side of things and even in the prs side there was still a find it identify it, engage it element to it. You didn't just put a target in front of us. And and I know part of this was Phil, but you, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the Royal we with you guys in the umbrella. But, um, the, you know, to me that, that really set that match apart by the mere fact that I just didn't come up to an obstacle and have a target, you know, like hung as a beach ball right in front of me. It was, well, now I have a target over here at this, you know, off to this side, and we're going to come and shift 600 yards over into the middle of the range. We're going to shift another 300 yards and come 50 yards down, and there's your third target. And you had to know where all of these were, and I think that find it, identify it, engage it aspect was a really good way of doing it instead of just saying target in front of you, 400 yards, square plate, hit it. Yeah, so I, we're you and I and Phil are are on the same sheet of music, and the the the, the reason for that is look, we're trying to create at Gunworks. Gunworks is a hunting rifle company, right? And we're we're trying to create the most efficient marksmen that we can in the time period that we have those shooters at the Long Range University, whether it's in Cody or whether it's in a, a mobile training team that we have established. So in in looking at this from a hunting perspective, what is it that we have to be able to train those shooters to do effectively? Not only apply the, apply the fundamentals of marksmanship and get the rifle to go bang and get the bullet to go where we want it to go, but we also have to make sure that that shooter understands that, yeah, we're going to need to understand the skills that go along with locating and identifying targets. Then, because in hunting, hunting scenarios, I mean, let's face it. What's the root of what's the root of precision, practical precision rifle competitions? It's to validate your training for either a military or law enforcement application. Or overall, blanket the word with tactics if you want to call it that, or to make better hunters, right? To be more efficient in the field, and that's really what Phil wanted to keep that match aligned with. And I think he was fantastically successful doing so when he walked me through the stages i was like oh man dude this is awesome and i said this is going to open up a lot of eyes and it's going to be great because like you said it's not just hey here's a barricade there's a target at 400 yards let's shoot this thing as fast as you possibly can and 
you know, for time or whatever it is, trying to put like that three gun mix into the whole situation. No, man, this is, these are practical rifle skills, practical rifle skills. And when we talk about practical rifle skills, we're, we need to be prepared. That shooter has to be prepared for a multitude of different scenarios, right? So like you said, big wide transitions. I remember the coyote stage out there, I want to say it was stage 15. I mean, like you said, it was a 600 yard wide spread of targets. There are five of them out there and they were hard to see the first guys that shot them. They were freaking orange. And in that grass with the way the sun was, it is hard to see that stuff. And guess what? It's the same thing when you're trying to shoot a live coyote. And especially if you've got four or five of them out there or one that you might've missed. And now he's running like crazy and people are trying to talk you on to where he is. That's all very, very applicable stuff. And it happens every day. And that's what we're trying to train shooters to be better at. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a total fan, man. You, you, you guys knocked it out of the park with that. And it added an element that I don't know if everybody appreciated, but I definitely appreciated that. And I took, I took note of that fact. So. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of, there was a couple of stages where, where people complained. Um, you know, people complained about the awkwardness of the firing position. And it's just like, okay, well, you know what? I'm like, what are you shooting at right there? Okay. Well, that's a wolf. All right. A wolf at 800 something yards. And that's a very realistic scenario. If you're hunting wolves, um, they're smart critters and they're not going to let you get close to them. And guess what? If you have an opportunity at a wolf, you're going to take it, whether you want to say it, want to admit it or not. And of course, if it's legal, then throw that disclaimer in there. Yeah, right, right. Um, but if there's a big pile of rocks and this is all you got and you have 30 seconds to build a shooting position and that's it, dude, you're going to build a shooting position on that rock and you're going to get it done. Because in a hunting scenario, it's just like, and that's why I really enjoyed that watching shooters navigate all the stages that Phil put together for them is because they were all really realistic scenarios. And Man, I, I'm a hunter through and that's what I do, right? Instead of the reason I don't go to compete to win matches. I go to compete to compete against myself, to compete against my own skills, to make me a better hunter when I go afield. That's it. Bottom line, period, end of story. So I don't carry a rifle professionally in defense of the nation or the, or the homeland anymore. I don't do that. So I carry a rifle now to go hunt and I want to be successful and I want to be able to hit what I shoot at. So that's why I go to compete and looking at that, it's like, you know, Hey, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, um, we, we found a bear. And by the time we saw the bear and had it killed, it was let, it was 30 seconds. And it was, he shot off the top of a rock and he didn't have time. He thought he was going to have to be able to move positions or he wanted to move positions. I was like, dude, you don't have time. You need to shoot from here. And he made it work and he killed the bear. And that's, that's, really the bottom line and that applies to either a tactical scenario or a hunting scenario it's all the same yeah well and it's two different um times of history like when i was in in the 80s uh and then you you were in after me you know with the m40a1 we i I saw coming up like early days at rifles only the 2001s and twos and threes things like that guys would show up to that for either competition or training and they'd want to shoot off a pack and it's like, no, dude, where's your bipod? And and it's like, no, you know, I saw, and it's like, okay, you saw shoot off a pack. But understand, the pack for us was like an expedient thing. Like the M40A1 didn't have a bipod on the front. 
So if nope. you're moving through and something comes up, you'd wing your pack off, you drop it down, and you go on that. But if we set yep. up in a position and we had a we had time and opportunity to build our position, we used the um the tent stakes. We had the three tent stakes tied together. We made a tripod out of it. It was easy to deploy, but it was in our pack. Now we're setting up. You you wing that tent those tent stakes out, not the stakes, but the post. You know um. I can't even think of what the word I'm looking for, but our shelter haft uh, yep. post. You twist it and turn it into a tripod. You'd set the M40 on that, and you had a more stable position than your pack because it didn't crush and move depending on what was in or out of your pack at any given moment. But you still had that right. right. You still had that skill set for speed in field expedient to whip it off, throw it down, drop on it, and make the shot. Yeah. yeah, I remember when bipods came out. <clears throat> I remember um, when I bought my first precision rifle in 2001. Um, it came with bipods, and uh, I was like floored. Right, I I looked at them. I had just graduated from school, and uh, and I looked at it and I was like, bipods, man, dude, I'm high speed now. This is awesome. Right, <laughs> right. I got I got a mobile shooting support wherever I go, and it's attached to my rifle, and I don't have to carry an ass pack anymore. <laughs> And uh, it it, cha- it changed everything, right? It, it was a, it, it and it turned into eventually it turned into a, a tool, right? People figured out how to use them for more than just shooting from a prone position and, and laying on your belly. Exactly, it's 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 a it becomes another layer. It, it it is part of that trick, but at the same time, you have to put it in context. You know, yeah. when is this applicable? When is this not? And, and I think that's something yeah. I see from you guys a lot, that you're always putting, even in the small social media stuff you do, the pictures, which your photographs are fantastic. I think your girl takes a lot of them. Um, <laughs> you're right, but they're, they're awesome pictures yet you put out. They're, they're really, really good. So if anybody's not following Kalen's social media stuff, just for the photographs alone, it's worth it. But you tend to put those things in context because you're, you're out there humping the mountains you're doing a bit of the survival training stuff that you do, and then you're incorporating the rifle system to that that you're doing it, and you're making sure that people recognize the context of the action you're performing. Yeah, absolutely. There always has to be there, – there will always be a why, right? There will always be a why behind it, and usually um, you're going to be able to say – and not only this is the why, but hey, this is something that I experienced, and this is why I'm teaching you this because it's something that I experienced. And either I screwed it up, and I wish that I would have done it different, or I was successful, and I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that was that was very applicable, and I need to start communicating that in my in my courses. And that's and that's where you know um, Phil is Phil's you know, learning the hunting game, right? He comes from, he's coming from the tactical side of the house, which is, which is awesome. That's where I came from too. Um, but, and I started cutting my teeth in the hunting world when I came to Washington and got up here in the Pacific Northwest and realized, well, man, this is a far cry from hunting whitetails out of tree stands in Western New York. So, you know, I knew that from a rifleman's perspective, from a marksmanship perspective, Hell, where I hunt, you know, if I'm lucky, I get a 500-yard shot. So you really have to focus on that, and 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 it has, and, it, and you got to be quick. And in order to do that, you have to effectively manage your equipment. And that's another thing that we're trying to bring 
to the GunWorks curriculum is showing people how to manage their equipment effectively so that they can get in and out of those positions faster and more efficiently. And the other thing that we're doing is bringing in more of the competitive mindset. And we're going to start offering um, what we did offer last year. We're going to continue to push it forward. Um, we're going to continue to offer competitive shooting training, meaning, hey, if you want to take like, let's say you went to all three levels of the hunting package at Gunworks Long Range University and you're like, OK, what's next? I still want to train. I still feel like there's more for me to learn. It's like, okay, well, now you come over here to the competition side of the house. We're going to pick up the pace. We're going to test you on not only your ability to be accurate, but we're also going to test you in your ability to be fast and think. And really all that is, is helping you become a better hunter. And that's the message that we're really trying to work hard to communicate. You know, and it's been such a huge topic of conversation when you talk about having to think and being fast. What are you thinking of of some of the stuff we're seeing right now in the comps with the bags, uh, you know, the Uno bag, which gigantic for guys who don't know, it's the giant bean bag. You know, we're laughing about that a bit. And in some of the things like they they'll put a stage out the floating platform, which I'm not a fan of to begin with. But now, you know, this last stage, a big topic came up because the guys had a video where they showed that they allowed guys to jam stuff underneath the platform so it didn't move. That's ridiculous. I, I think I think a lot of this stuff is getting way ridiculous, man. It's got to get back to back to the basics. It's it's getting way too contrived. I, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. I would say it wasn't nearly. You know, there was some stuff. It was like ah, that might I w- maybe I won't use it. But now it's getting to be. You know, where what what's if we can bypass <clears throat> the obstacle completely? Um, you know, what's the point? If if I could set yeah, a tripod up and you know, I, I said to somebody, I kind of want to go and just set the tripod up next to like the barricade stage and just touch, well, just touch, like put my hand on it and touch the the thing. Hey, I'm, I'm putting my hand on it. I'm shooting off my tripod at my height. Then I'm going to put my hand to the next level, the hand to the next position and put my hand. So I could say I'm touching that position, but not do it. I almost kind of want to go and do it my, like on my own and, and just kind of not, I guess it would be cheating the stage, but I want to game it in a way that looks so ridiculous just to show them what they look like. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing it up because for a long time, man, I got, I got a real bad taste in my mouth from, from competition shooting. And I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of it had to do with, with navigating, um, seeing stuff like you're talking about, and really just like grading my soul to this, to the extent of, of being, you know, it's like you guys are totally missing the point of coming out here and competing. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to ruffle some feathers and to be, to be honest with you, I don't really care because I think it needs to be said. And, you know, the bag stuff is just getting out of hand. And look, I know that there's some people out there that are like, you know what, I'd take that bag with me on, on, on a mission. That's the way my mind thinks, right? I go, okay, if I need a piece of gear to make me successful on that stage, I'm going to look at it from the perspective of number one, would I take it with me on a mission? If I was carrying a rifle in defense of the nation, 
Um, would I make room in my kit or would I get stronger so that I can carry that extra five pounds with that bag? Or would I take that in a, on a hunt, right? And be, cause all of my hunts are backpack hunts. <clears throat> I, I, I don't really, I don't really hunt from a truck. Um, as a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time I hunted from a truck. Sam's shooting some baboons, um, in, in Namibia, but you know, all of my hunting is off my back and off, and off my feet. So I don't, I look at things that I carry very carefully, making sure that that piece of gear is going to pull more than just one roll. So the bags and, and, you know, using all this gear, it's just, it's getting to the point where I'm like, you guys are missing the point of this. You're totally missing the point of this. And, and instead of being, instead of being in the game to, to win, start looking at the game as a competition within yourself, right? Testing your abilities and testing your skills against yourself. And I get it. You know, people are comp- competitive and that's fine, but I think it's just get, I think it's gotten way out of hand. Uh, the, the the only bag I'll concede, like the wee bag, the pillow, I could see carrying that because it's so dang light. You, you know, mm-hmm. one of them. And you're just going to carry just that and use, and I, heck, I would even use it as like a pillow in my sleeping bag kind of thing. But then, you know, with with the hunter crew up in Alaska, they're using their stuff sacks and everything. They're doing all the same thing and they're just breaking out their exact, what you you talked about, their their backpacks in their hunting kit. And they're coming to like our PR2 up there uh, in Alaska and they're bringing their pack with their stuff sack and with their sleeping bag in the exact same kit they would carry. And they're Mm -hmm. adapting that equipment in the exact same way of the guys are, you know, I mean, let's face it. Is somebody really going to hump a six pound game changer on top of everything else you have, you know, hang on a minute. Somebody's trying to call in. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's some uh, thing. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It, 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 is somebody really going to carry that extra six pounds? I mean, how much stuff in the Marine Corps did we try to strip away? We stripped our MREs down. Yep. Uh, you could try yeah, to lose weight. You know, you know you're not going to eat this. You know you're not going to take that. You're you're opening your MRE before you go. You're pulling out the garbage you don't want. You're rewrapping it and putting it back in your pack. And that's going with mm-hmm. you because you don't want the weight. Yeah, I mean, now I I, I like the game changer bag. <clears throat> I think the game changer bag is is extremely useful. Um, but do I think that I could mimic the effect of a game changer bag with a puffy jacket and a rain and a rain layer stuffed into a stuff sack? Absolutely. Um, it, it, we're all we're trying to achieve is soft to hard contact. That's it. That's right. really all we're trying to achieve. So if you can do that with the gear that you have, and and then, you know, you also have to make sure that you're not getting yourself set up for false expectations and a false sense of security, right? So a guy might look at a, you know, a a 10 inch plate at 700 yards and be able to, at a match, right? And be able to build a position using a tripod and a bag and, uh, you know, a tripod to support the rear of the gun and and be able to beat the hell out of that set, uh, out of that that 10 inch plate at 700 yards but you're probably not going to be able to make that happen in the field 
because you won't have the equipment to do so. And if you want to carry it, then great, more power to you. I'm not going to knock you for it. But train within realism because that's really what rifle matches are supposed to be all about is testing your skills and validating your training practice. Uh, I totally agree, man. You, you you couldn't have said it better, and 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 it shouldn't ruffle people's feathers to hear that. And unfortunately, it does. I mean, I didn't know what you guys had in store for us on the second day, and I had this the Saracen bag, which is six pounds. I wasn't going to carry that, especially with my shoulder jacked up. So I took the little tiny one that I had put together. That's only two pounds. So I shaved mm-hmm. four pounds right off the bat by not carrying that one bag. But I still had a two-pound bag with me that I did use, and I used a lot. But at the same time, I anticipated having to walk not knowing what to do, you know, yeah. or what I was going to see. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I think another cool thing with some of these bags is, you know, which is, I mean, it's awesome. Like the like the, the Reezer Precision, um, the Game Changer, right? You can unzip that thing and pour the media out, stuff it in your bag, right? And then refill it with whatever you got at your location. Like I did a mobile training class. I dumped out cause I, I didn't want to pay the baggage fees. Right. So I dumped out all the plastic BBs in the, in the game changer. And when I got to where I was going, I found a sand pit and filled it with sand. That I t- mean, problem solved. Exactly. I mean, that's what Tony at tab gear makes the, his rear bag with the zipper too. You know, and I, I, I do yeah. the same thing. I carry that with me so I, I know I'm just going to fill it with sand wherever I show up and then I'm going to pour it out and put it on the airplane and go. So that yep. fact right there is is to me the practical evolution of where these things should go versus, you know, I'm going to haul around this six-pound bag that, you know, these guys walk 25 yards from their car to the firing line and back and forth, you know. It, yeah, I if you got to take, if you have to, if you have to use a giant puff pillow to build a stable enough platform to get hits on a target, <laughs> man, you got to rethink that. Yeah, right. It is funny though. You really do. It's funny. It's it's funny. And, and, you know, it's just, I just kind of sit back and laugh because, you know, like I said, I, I'll use a bag, but I, I'll look at it from the perspective of, Hey, Am, am I going to be able to replicate that piece of gear in the field with whatever the application is that I'm trying to achieve, right? So if I'm in a tactical environment, I want to make sure that my gear can mimic that bag when I carry it for a deployment. Or if I'm hunting, what is in my rucksack that's readily available that I can utilize to build a stable shooting platform to get the same results? And if I can't do that, I will not use it in a competition. Bottom line, period. And and it's a, that's the best way to look at it. I I, you know, I keep telling these guys, perception's reality, man. And when you look like a tool out there because you got a giant beanbag with you, that's the perception. When someone just sees a still image and they don't know whether you're goofing or not, they don't know whether everybody's laughing that you broke out a beanbag. They just see that single shot of you building that on a stage. It looks silly. And someone's going to say, that's stupid. I'm not playing that game. Yeah. And I I think, though, unfortunately, for the guys that really do want to be competitive, and and that's fine. Like, I'm not knocking anybody for that whatsoever. Um, 
if you want to be, the problem is if you want to be competitive in the world that is the National Rifle League and the Precision Rifle Series, um, you got to have that stuff. You, you really do because the the match directors are building courses of fire that require shooters to have that in order to get to be successful and achieve greater than whatever hit percentage it is, whether it's, you know, achieve a 50% or higher hit ratio on that particular course of fire. And if you can't get it done without all of those bags, you're not going to be competitive. And and that's really what's driving that stuff. In my personal opinion, through, through observing the sport as it's evolved since hell, I shot my first rifle match in 2001. Um, and I've been shooting them. I've been shooting them ever since 2001 up until now. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I did, I got away from it for a while just because it was just like, you know what, this is not, this is not the way that it should be. And granted, that's my opinion, but you know, that is what it is. Yeah. Take to- it for what it's worth. No, totally. I, I, I agree. And, and, and I, I, Hey man, I'll play the game just as silly as somebody else, but I like going back to your, your gunworks match, the, the van blind stage, was genius uh-huh. way of doing it. It, it. it was interesting for me to watch people carry so much, because especially that line was close. It was easy. You know, you, you didn't have to move around a lot, but they, they said, whatever you bring in, you got to bring it all in and bring it all out. And we saw guys carrying yeah. so much because they didn't know what to expect in that stage. I saw guys with, you know, three arms full of stuff. And and it was like, wow, dude, what do you think you're going to find in that van? You know, and, yep. and it, you know, I, I went in with, with my, my, my rear bag in my tripod. Cause I knew no mm-hmm. matter what I could shoot off the tripod and, and, and I could stand up in a van. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So I, I knew I was good that way because of my size. So I didn't, I didn't carry my pack, my, all my different bags in, in, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. But the blind nature of that stage scared people enough that they carried everything. Yeah. And so when I, when I first saw that stage, I, I, I loved it too. And here's why, um, my experience, um, my, my major combat experience was, was, uh, in Iraq in 2004 and this was a time period before we really understood the effectiveness of camera tripods to shoot off of them, right? So um, a lot of the stuff that, that we did in an urban environment, we relied on the existing furniture in the room to build some sort of a support to shoot from. And sometimes we had it and sometimes we didn't. Um, however, when we, when we assaulted the city of Fallujah, and that was a direct combat operation. So we snipers operated in direct support of the infantry, which is, which is a very, very different way of, of operating because it's an extraordinarily fast, very fluid. Um, it's a very fluid style of warfare and you have to be very physically fit, very, very quick to be able to support the advancing infantry that way. But the, uh, the the residents of the city got word that we were coming and they evacuated the entire city and they took everything with them. So I would identify a building and say, okay, I want to occupy that position in support of this advancing infantry platoon. And I'd bust my ass to get up there with my team and we'd get into a room. And the only thing in that room is an open window and it's about chest high. 
no furniture, no nothing to build a shooting position from, and I'm damn sure not going to hang myself out of a windowsill and get shot in the face. So that van stage really reminded me of that demoralizing feeling of running into a room after working so hard to get there and go, oh, man, I don't have anything to shoot from. Let's go find another room. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You, you know, it, 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 and, and again, that that's that's exactly what that van stage was. You didn't know what you were going to find. You got in there and it was like, oh, there's a milk crate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they didn't even know that they could use it. A lot of guys ran right by it. Yeah, I did because I you had the tripod. But, you know, that was a whole nother deal. But, yeah, it's it, it was an awesome stage. And I like the fact that everybody sort of, at least I saw, my, when we were squad one, so that was like stage two or three for me. Um, that I know everybody in our squad kept the secret and, and, and right. I, I like that. We didn't bust anybody out to say, oh man, just bring that and you're fine. We didn't come around to the other side and, and we didn't spoil the surprise. Cause to me, it was too good to, to spoil for people. So, yep. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a test of your ability to, to manage your equipment and then identify, Hey, what, what is the bottom line? What do I need to function and this is what I tell a lot of this is why I tell a lot of my law enforcement or all of my law enforcement customers. Look, there are two things that, that that need to go with that rifle wherever it goes, minus ammunition, of course. You need a small rear bag and you need a tripod. If you don't have those two things, you're you're really shorting yourself and your ability to set up a position no matter where you go, whatever situation you're in you're going to be able to build a reliable shooting position using those two pieces of gear. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's 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 where I've come to now mentality-wise. You could do so much with just those two pieces of a kit and nothing else, and you'll get it done. Yep. I mean, granted, like, in a, you know, in a, in a competition stage when you've got, you know, maybe a 90-second stage, um, it's going to take maybe, you know, depending on the tight size of the target and what the acceptable sight picture is to hit that target, um, it might take you longer than 90 seconds to settle into a natural point of aim. So that's where the bags come in. I get that. Like, I understand that. But it's just you start you start making people rely on that stuff, and then it's like they don't feel like they can shoot without it. And I think that's dangerous. I think that that, that becomes real dangerous for the shooter's mindset. Well, I, I kind of look at it too. Uh, that crosses over to sort of, um, you know, kind of horacy too, where people w- want to do the holdover and the reticle and the whole thing, and then when something happens they don't expect, they sort of get vapor mm-hmm. lock. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, well, that that system works awesome if you've got a nice, pretty, you know, dirt backstop to watch your splash in. But if you don't have that, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna support you any in in you know then you come into the grid in your face and the whole thing but i i've seen enough people have that lock up like where is my splash it's not there what do i do next instead of yep. solving that problem because they're just used to oh i missed okay here's my correction you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's not that or i probably held too much wind let me do this they, they're they're they'll think more with less quicker than they will with the extra stuff that's put in there because they're expecting one result, they get a different one, and now they're now their brain is trying to process why didn't it work the way it's supposed to. 
Yeah. Or another thing that I see a lot of people do with those systems is they're exactly one, one mil high, low, or one mil less or more wind. And you and I both know that if you miss a mil low and you're not looking for it a mil low, you're not going to see it. Yeah. And you know, if you're expecting that shot to land, you know, in a very, very close proximity to the target and you're, you know, you're hoping for just a wing call, you know, a variable in the wing call, and all of a sudden you're a mil low, you're not looking down there or you're not looking up there. And in that whole mess of things, you're damn sure not going to find that splash and correct for it. Right, right. Yeah. And God forbid it rains out, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Man, it's, um, I, I think that, now, I, I don't want people to think that I'm that I'm not for advancements in gear and not for advancements in, in equipment and tools to make us better shooters. That's not that's not what I'm trying to say, and I and I know that's not what you're trying to say either. It's just there there comes a point where we got to look at it from you know it's a training issue. It's it's a competency issue. It's um, you know if if you want to make better shooters you've got to be willing to devote the time to teach them those skills. Remember, you cannot learn the tricks of the trade before you learn the trade itself. You will fall on your face over and over and over again until you figure it out. And that could be, that could take a long time. Yeah. Very. And, and you're absolutely right. Here's, here's the clue. Every piece of that kit we've talked about, whether it be positive or negative, I have sitting right here. Me too. You I know what him. I mean? We have it all. We use it all. We get it. And, and so that's just something that people have to realize that, yes, we're, we're looking at it, but we're looking at it under a different like lens. You know, it's, it's more of a critical look and, and we're trying to find the cons to it just as much as we are the pros, you know, because yep. if, if that con comes out when we don't expect it, that becomes a problem. Uh, and that's and and you're right and and if you don't have the if you don't have the uh the unconscious competence with the fundamentals already established you're going to burn up too much brain power trying to solve that cognitive thought problem or that cognitive thought process when you could just be using free brain power by executing the fundamentals automatically and unconsciously and then freeing up that extra brain power to solve Com- more complex problems yeah bingo man so uh before we get it's getting pretty l- late in the night here for you uh what do you got going on that that besides i mean the gunworks thing which like i said i'm a super fan of everything you guys are doing up there i know you got your own private stuff that you do under uh the kalinsky right yep uh, and- so you know my focus and my focus on that you know is is really i i'm trying to um work towards developing the law enforcement sniper community into the modern times. There's a lot of dogma out there. As you well know, there's a lot of practices that people are still teaching and preaching that there's, you know, they're from the early nineties and it's, it's time to breathe some new life into that program. And that's really where that focus of effort is on both, you know, the, the, you know, conventional operational side, meaning daylight time, and then the night operation side of the house, partnering with, with Knights Armament for their uh, night vision program, as well as B.E. Myers with the mall, um, utilizing the mall for law enforcement application, and then using the ISLID for night operations on the military side of the house. So that, that's really that's the, that focus outside of Gunworks. 
Nice. Yeah, I want. I you know, I'd like to get together in 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 us kind of just partner up on something, even if it's just you know us kind of hanging out. But uh, I I, yeah. I I definitely think we're on the same page with so much, and and it, it, again, it's 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 a no threat deal. It's like, hey, let's improve both sides of this and and come at them with with, with a two fist approach instead of you know. But uh, yeah, yep. if you're in the Denver area or come down around mm-hmm. here or from up there, man, I definitely want to kind of sit in and. And, and, and play around some of that because I think it'd be good. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the, the other thing, guys, to all the listeners that are out there, you know, I understand that a lot of people, you know, they look at the Gunworks, the Long Range University, and they're like, you know, in, in our community, I say our community, um, you know, just because it's a hunting course, man, take advantage of Phil, get out there, get some training from him, talk to him, pick his brain on the competitive side of the house, He's a phenomenal instructor. Yeah, it's a huge resource. Like I said, I was working my way to try to score him and to get him into something. If you guys didn't, I'm glad you picked him up the way you did. I'm glad to see him come out and land at a place that can use him successfully like that. I mean, that's all I wanted for him when when I knew he was getting out at shot. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, he he's definitely one of the guys that that does that deserves to be in this community, and and I look forward to seeing him grow. Um, you know, that, that's just an awesome, awesome deal there. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad yeah. to see you doing this stuff and, and you're out having fun and, and this, the skydiving, like I said, I'm still mega impressed with the whole Everest jump thing. You know, uh, Kim here watches a lot of the climbing stuff. Uh, we've been to REI and, and been to presentations on guys who've climbed all the mountains from the K2s to the Everest. And, and we go, we go sit in on a lot of that, uh, that they have at the flagship here in Denver. So when you went and like did something like jump Everest, it was like wow. Especially knowing Cody too, because you know I I, I see yeah. Cody up and around, so he he's always fun. That that trip, um, I think that I think that trip without doubt changed me as a human being. Nice beyond beyond doubt. Nice, so that, phenomenal. You, you, what more can you ask for? Yeah, it's just it was one of those things that um, man, it's. Uh, the the feeling of stepping out onto that helicopter skid and and looking out and seeing that that sight it's it's and knowing that you're about to step off and share the sky with those mountains it's just it's an overwhelming experience oh, that's so awesome that's awesome well mm-hmm. Kayla man I won't yeah. take up too much more of your time uh we're, we're running in on the hour and and so yeah. I mean I'll talk longer if you want but I figure you know you you got your family no, going. Man, you're good. We still gotta leave. We still gotta leave some room open to talk about stuff in the future. Oh, always. There's always something to talk about, and people want to revisit. Uh, make sure you email. Come on the Everyday Sniper Podcast uh, section of Sniper Side if you want to ask a question to follow up. I mean, this is now that I got the phone thing figured out. This is easy, man, to get a call in and all that, and to do a call in. That's a piece of cake. We, we'll do this again for sure. I know. I know this is going to be a huge. Uh, a, a huge driver uh, for people to want to listen to over and over again. It's there's a lot of nuggets being dropped here. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm kind of proud of myself too. I didn't drop any f bombs. <laughs> we're, we're trying to be. We're, we're getting kids now, so I swear <laughs> so much, and and so I'm trying to be better myself, man. Because kids are listening, and 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 you know, you just it's like, oh man, did I say that? Shoot. So yeah. no, I appreciate it, right and, and and tell Phil I'm going to be calling on him too because I'm going to get him on here. Yep. And yeah. So Phil, that's awesome. And then I know uh, Phil and I are going to start doing some podcasts with Gunworks as well. So you guys stay tuned for that. Oh yeah, definitely. You have the, uh, was it long range? Um, what do they call it? It's, it's pursuit. Is that, 
or is that somebody yep. else? Mm-hmm. Gunworks Long Range Pursuit, yep. right? Is their podcast? Long, long Range Podcast. Yep, Long Range Podcast for Gunworks. Yeah, it's on the Podbean app. I've seen it there. So if you guys are listening to us, definitely go over and listen to Gunworks. Some good stuff happening there. Right on, Frank. Well, thanks very much for having me, man. It was a pleasure to chat with you and, and looking forward to seeing you again and looking forward to talking again. Yeah, we'll definitely do this again. It was awesome. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Yep, later.